that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify powers in-person selling too? From events to farmer's markets to shows, Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. I've definitely been selling at an event and struggled between reconciling payment processors, inventory before and after the event, and easy reporting. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. Prep for your next event with hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash startup CPG, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash startup CPG to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash startup CPG. Yeah, I mean, to Ben and Jerry's credit, like they they answered the email, right? And at that point in 2020, we were considerably smaller. They were eager to work with with a small emerging brand. I encourage everyone to just try. Like worst case, you don't get a response, but then you just go it at another angle. Welcome to the Startup CPG Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. When you peruse Ben and Jerry's ice cream flavors, do you ever think, what would my flavor be if I were famous? Maybe that's just me, but perhaps you dream about your own brand one day collaborating with Ben & Jerry's. This became a reality for Partake Foods, and when I saw the news, I wanted to know the behind the scenes of how a collaboration like this gets to market. Partake makes inclusive, allergy-friendly snacks that give delicious peace of mind to those with dietary restrictions, along with how is this so good enjoyment. Partake's collaboration with Ben & Jerry's all started with a cold email in 2020 from Marlo Judici, who was one of Partake's three total team members at the time. Now their Ben & Jerry's collaboration flavor, Oatmeal Dream Pie, launched this year and has been added to the Ben & Jerry's Evergreen lineup available nationwide in Target, Walgreens, and more retailers near you. Partake has also experienced other very impressive growth the past few years. Marlo is now Partake's Vice President of Sales, Strategic Channels, There are nearly 20 people on the Partake team, and their cookies and snacks will be available in over 13,000 stores as of this July, 2023. Listen in as Marlo shares about her career journey from culinary school to food brand founder to selling her food company to working with Partake Foods, the story behind Marlo's cold outreach to Ben & Jerry's and her tips for reaching out to dream partners, the process of working with Ben & Jerry's R&D team to develop the final flavor, how Partake had to become an ingredient supplier to support the collaboration, tips for being a great partner as an emerging brand, Partake's strategy around the food service channel, how to be pleasantly persistent and stay organized in your outreach, and more. Hi, Marlo. Welcome to the show today. How are you? Hi, Jesse. I am well. Thank you so much for having me. So nice to get to chat with you after we kind of met on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, so it's super nice to get to catch up. I'm wondering if to start us off, you could tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your role at Partake and Partake itself. Sure. So um, I am Marlo Judici and I am our VP of Strategic Channel Sales at Partake. And um, what that means at Partake is that I oversee our food service and alternative channel sales, as well as strategic partnerships. 
Um, so really whatever falls outside of uh, traditional grocery retail mass and club is under my purview. And um, it's a little bit of the Wild West, but uh, it's why I love it. And it's, it's so much fun. Um, and then Partake, um, for folks who are not familiar with the brand, we make allergy-friendly snacks. We make graham crackers and cookies and baking and breakfast mixes that are all certified vegan and gluten-free, uh, kosher and non-GMO. And they're all produced in a facility that's top nine allergen-free. So they're really inclusive and, and inclusivity is, is really at the core of our existence and our mission and, and the why we exist, just bringing everyone together uh, around the same table to enjoy the best that life has to offer. That's amazing. I love it. And yeah, I the regular listeners know that uh, my household is gluten free because I have family members with with celiac. And so I've enjoyed the Partake products for a long time. Um, I think the birthday cake cookie is one of my favorites. Um, really love it. And so when I saw, essentially, I saw a post from Marlo on LinkedIn talking about a Ben and Jerry's and Partake collaboration. And my first thought was immediately, I need to, I need to buy this. Like, where is it? I, I need to buy it ASAP. Um, but also, I was like, that sounds so fascinating to learn how a, you know, a brand you know, especially on a little bit on the smaller side for our community with smaller brands. I mean, Partake is a lot larger than many of our community members, but, you know, isn't a, in the, the top 10 largest food conglomerates in the world levels or anything. Yeah. And so what does that look like to collaborate with a company on Ben and Jerry's scale? And I was super curious. And thankfully, Marla was like, yeah, I was open to to chatting about it. So that's going to be a lot of our conversation today. But also in my research, of looking up Marlo, I saw that you have an incredible background in CPG and the baking world. And so I was wondering if you could also just tell a little bit about tell us a little bit about your career journey so far and the company that you had. And yeah, would just kind of love to learn a little bit more about like what that looked like and how you got into the role of that you're doing now. Yeah, it's, it's a bit atypical um, and, and unique. And there were some hard left turns in there, uh, for sure. But I, I started my career out actually in, uh, in tech, um, in, in digital marketing and advertising technology. And that's what moved me to San Francisco from New York was an opportunity at a, a SaaS company, software as a service. And um, through that move, I this sounds convoluted, but I promise I'll get there. Um, through that move, I uh, I met the man who's now my husband um, in San Francisco, but he was living across the street from a culinary school that is now uh, shut down. But the woman that owned it was like an icon in food in San Francisco, Mary Risley. It was called Taunt Marie's. And I had always loved baking, loved cooking, and um, thought maybe someday I'll I'll go to culinary school or I'll go to pastry school. Um, but I was never quite ready to quit my full-time job and really just jump in full-time with that passion because I wasn't sure if it would if it would really go beyond just being a passion and if it's something that I, I truly wanted to make a career out of because I'm not very, um, particularly on the, the culinary side, I'm not a night person. And so working like back of house food service at a restaurant, like I, that was, I knew that was not for me. <laughs> um, I, I don't do well staying up late anymore. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I actually started to just explore the programs that Tom Marie had, and they had a part-time pastry program that was nights and weekends. So I didn't have to quit my job in tech and I could just sort of dip my toe into this passion of mine and see if it was something that I wanted to pursue 
um, in a more serious way. And it was like an incredible program that was just a group of women who loved to bake and was really like passionate about learning the fundamentals and the mechanics and the chemistry behind it. Um, and we would bake for maybe three hours or so and then sit down and eat everything we made. So it was just like phenomenal. Um, and I would sometimes come home and, and wake my husband up with like hot, like pan au chocolat or like, you know, fresh pastry. And he was like, okay, I think I need to actually, I think that's actually why he proposed <laughs> for the potential to have that happen more frequently in life. Um, but what, what that experience taught me was that I think it was just in, inspiration. There were a lot of women who went through that program, who went on to found really successful pastry companies, um, both nationally and regionally in the Bay Area. And uh, I thought, but they can do it. Why can't I? Right? Like I was very naive as to what that would even mean. And the, I, I knew nothing about the food industry. Um, but I knew that I had this recipe that my grandmother had um, passed down to me, this like secret recipe. Um, and she's, she's still alive and kicking. She's 98 and she doesn't make this cookie anymore, but it's essentially mandel bread, which is like Jewish biscotti. So it's a cookie that's baked twice. And it tends to have a slightly more tender crumb than biscotti does, um, primarily due to the fact that it's made with oil instead of butter. Mm. And so it retains a bit more fat. And it's, it's, um, we, we ended up calling it soft baked biscotti, but I, I created this company, Marlowe's Bake Shop with my grandmother's recipe and just learned as I went. Um, and I founded the company in 2012, quit my job in tech in, uh, 2013 and, and started doing it full time and initially thought, let's just start selling in concentric circles around the barrier where I'm able to just build up some brand awareness and, um, and did that and then got some really great national partners like the now defunct Dean and DeLuca, um, but really kept the brand kind of specialty and, um, and we never really entered like conventional grocery, but it was through that experience that, I really learned, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare to say everything about the food industry, but the basics mm -hmm. um, and what it means to, to really like hunt for new sales and pioneer brand and what the distribution ecosystem looks like and pricing architecture. And um, so it was a really fascinating experience. And, you know, I did the bookkeeping. I did the, I didn't do the production after the first six months. I, I had a co-packer, but, um, but I did do the production initially. And even just the, the contracts with co-packers, just all of that type of negotiation. I, I just learned a ton. Um, and it was actually through that experience that I ended up meeting Denise Woodard, the founder of Partake. We were both trying to hawk our cookies at a, a snack fair at Twitter headquarters, trying to get into their pantry program. Um, and I, I met her and her delightful husband, Jeremy. They were both just incredibly charismatic and kind, and um, and we kept the conversation going from there. But, but yeah, I, I ended up selling the Marlowe's Bake Shop brand in 2019, um, and started with Denise that summer actually oh, wow. in in some consulting. Yeah, I said, you know what, I'm based out west. You're in New York. I already have the cookie buyers contacts. I, I have some relationships there. Um, I was working for a juice company at that point, leading sales. Um, called good use. And we took, uh, we took like ugly produce and made it into fresh pressed juices delivered to offices all over the Bay area. And so I was already going to the distributors. I was already going to the offices. And, um, and so I took partake with me and, and started just doing some, some light sales for them. And ultimately that transitioned into a full-time opportunity with the company. Wow. That's amazing. That's yeah. That experience, uh, of your, your business has, that's so valuable and just so much work that, uh, that you did building that yeah. out. That's, that's <laughs> so amazing. And I love that you met Denise at an event and 
Like I know that a lot of the founders in our community definitely look up to Denise and partake. And so that's really cool that you met her in an event and then were able to start consulting because you've been in at partake, I think a little over three years. Um, like what, how has the company grown kind of since you joined? Like, I guess, you know, maybe can you kind of describe the the stage to us a little bit now and then kind of the growth that's happened since you've been there? Yeah, of course. So when when we first started working together in 2019, I, and the, these are not going to be precise, but I, I want to say we finished the year in around 300 doors. And I was trying to sort of supplement the retail pursuits that Denise was doing in terms of just grocery doors with those alternative channel sales and and just driving some brand awareness through the pantry programs at offices. Um, and so about 300 doors in 2019. And then we threw it a partner that we just got some news yesterday. I, by July of this year, 2023, we'll be in about 13,000 doors. Wow. So it's, it's been pretty fast growth, um, which has been tremendously exciting, super busy. Um, but a lot of that initial growth, and then it just sort of, it, it was very cumulative in that shortly after I came on board full time, Denise had been in the background negotiating with Target and and had uh, planned this full nationwide launch with Target for the spring of 2020. And that was really, you know, the first national partner that is just such a tremendous partner that um, took us from, you know, being in 300 doors to very quickly overnight being in 2000 doors. Um, and then having those sort of credentials of working with Target and getting that experience and getting that visibility um, enabled us to to continue to to grow at retail. Yeah. Wow. So how many people are on the team now and in the sales team as well in particular? Yeah. So um, when I started with Denise, I was the second hire. We had me and a, a head of ops. And, um, and now we are a team of 19. Um, and the sales team, we split it up right now. We have a retail sales team and we have a strategic channel sales team. The retail sales team is four, and then the uh, strategic channel sales team is two, and we supplement that with some fractional sales resources that are external to the organization. Okay, and then we have brokers that support the just sales organization as a whole as well. Okay, very cool. That's super helpful to set the stage. And I also want to kind of you know describe the flavor a little bit too, as we kind of dive into the the details. So the flavor is called oatmeal dream pie, and it's a non-dairy Ben and Jerry's flavor. And uh, re- there was a roundup recently by Tasting Table, and they named the flavor the number one non-dairy flavor of all of Ben and Jerry's flavors. They called tasting it holy euphoria, which I thought was a great description. <laughs> I once I hunted, you know, I was like waiting for it to launch, like checking targets everywhere. And I was a little early. But once I found it, I brought it home and like it's it's really incredible because it has the essentially the oatmeal, you know, uh, cream cookies that are gluten free. And then you've got some marshmallow swirls in there. It's made with like sun butter so that there's no peanuts. And it's just it's really incredible. And my husband, especially as someone with celiac, when he took a bite, he was like, oh, my gosh, this is like a hit of nostalgia from my childhood of the little like oatmeal cream pie snacks that he's like, I haven't ha- been able to have those for years. And this just like hits perfectly. It's so tasty. And it has, you know, great ingredients as well. And so it's just a really impressive flavor all around. And so I wanted to just kind of describe it a little to people to set the stage. And I hope everyone gets to try it as well, because it's just an incredible flavor. It does not taste dairy free. 
or any of those things. It doesn't taste like it's free from all these these allergens because uh, I think it does have soy, but otherwise everything else, like it, you wouldn't know. Like it's just an absolutely incredible flavor. Yeah, the Ben and Jerry's team is is like truly remarkable in in their flavor development. Um, and it's exactly what I mean. The intended flavor profile is exactly that little Debbie, you know, oatmeal cream pie. So I'm so happy for your husband that he's able to have that tasting experience again because that was that was the intention we finished the first pint and we drove right back to the store to get <laughs> to get another one so Love yeah it's it awesome so yeah let's i, I want to kind of go back in time a little bit i be, believe that you reached out cold to ben and jerry's in like june of 2020 so can you like take us back to that time like what were you working on? What were you thinking at? What did that, you know, what did that look like, you know, to just kind of send an email out into the void? Uh, would love to hear more. Yeah, I mean, so nobody ever forgets 2020 for a myriad of reasons, but we were really in the throes of the pandemic. Um, we were all working remotely, our, our team of three, um, with just, you know, trying to think of, let's get creative, let's, you know, brainstorm some alternative sales segments or channels, like what have we not, you know, what's the stone we have it unturned? Because as you may recall, the necessities were getting, you know, the essentials were getting restocked and prioritized both by retailers and distributors. And as much as cookies are a necessity in my house, they are not necessarily in everyone's home. And so, um, it just wasn't a priority for our distributor partners to to think about restocking us as much or for the, the retailers to be dedicating space to us um, or the category as a whole. And so we started thinking about categories that are a little bit more um, essential or like sort of like recession proof, if you will, um, or crisis proof. And we, we thought about ice cream and how people eat ice cream in, in good times in celebrations and also in bad, right? You sort of turn to your your favorite pint um, to to just find comfort <laughs> when when you may be upset. And so um, and then we thought about, okay, well, who are the like, you know, dream ice cream brands that we would love to work with? And Ben and Jerry's was was number one on that list. And so um, I did some LinkedIn stalking, which I think every salesperson has to hone that skill. <laughs> yeah. And some, you know, email naming convention guesses, I probably had a, like several incorrect I was like first dot last first initial dot last name like you know just tested all of them um and one went out and didn't bounce back and I, I just positioned it as as we are an allergy friendly inclusive brand that makes delicious cookies would you like to try some um so not a heavy you know not a big ask um certainly not a long email no deck attached just like can we send you some cookies um, because my hope was that who's going to say no to some free samples and worst case scenario, we send them and they don't like them. And okay, no big deal. Um, but my contact answered and, and, um, he was, you know, graciously accepted the free samples. And I think so much of the opportunities and, and the great partnerships we've had at partake is it's a timing thing. And, um, and it was just good timing for, for them in thinking about their, their non-dairy line and how they can expand on offerings because big organizations like that with their innovation pipeline, they're working 12 to 18 months out in terms of how long it will take to commercialize and bring to market. So they were seeing, I think, some initial success in that line and wanting to expand the flavor profiles. Uh, and, and we just sort of reached out at the right time. And so if it had been a no, I still would have probably followed up three months later and then six months later. And I, I generally 
um, and pleasantly persistent and, and just take it as a not right now, Mm -hmm. um, until I get a, until I get a pretty hard now. So yeah, that's how it kicked off. And, And then we just sort of continued the conversations. The Unilever team came in, which is their parent company. And we talked a little bit about supply chain and sourcing requirements um, but you know, that was 2020 and, and the flavor released in 2023. So it's, it's a long process for sure. Yeah. I'm kind of curious about some of the in-between too. So they, they tried the, you know, some of the cookies, I assume that, I don't know if you sent them an assortment of the partake flavors or kind of, you know, what did it kind of, how did it kick off from there of, oh, these, you know, were they like, oh, these are really good. We want to send some to our R and D team or. Did, you know, how did the ideas kind of get started to go toward the the final flavor that we see now? So we, I sent a sort of full suite of what we had currently in market. And with the sort of asterisk of, if you don't see something that you need, let's talk about it. We we had an amazing product developer. We, we currently have an amazing product developer. Um, and so I knew that if there was something that they were looking for that was specific and that we didn't currently make, we could talk about developing it for them um, special. And and that's ultimately what we did. But yeah, we just sent them everything that we were making and and sort of talked through some of the flavor profiles that they were uh, they were considering. And we went through, oh, gosh, I want to say maybe maybe six rounds of hey, can you guys make this? And we were like, yeah, we can. And then we'd go back and tell our magician, like, can you make this? And she'd be like, yeah, I can make that. And we'd send it out and they'd try it and we'd come back and they'd be like, well, that's that's not quite right. And and then finally landed on this, hey, can you make an oatmeal raisin cookie? Um, and that cookie also went through probably five or six different recipe iterations before we landed on the one that they really liked. Um, so it was like, Hey, can you take up the vanilla or can you take down the brown sugar or can we, you know, increase the the raisin flavor profile? So it was, it was those like tweaks back and forth where at that point, you know, I was a liaison and and just sort of working as the conduit between product development on partake side and the Ben and Jerry's R&D team. Oh, that's, yeah, that's very interesting. And so at some point the raisins got dropped from the cookies, right? Cause there's no raisins in the final product. Like does was there like consumer testing or anything as well too as it got closer to the final and 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 did you get to have any input into like i said that does you know there's sun butter in there so like to make sure that the product remained you know free from a lot of allergens like you know how did it get closer to the the finish line so we had raisin paste in it from the beginning so that it could be an oatmeal mm, raisin mm-hmm. cookie um and that's that the, even the final product has okay, raisin right. paste but it was just sort of the, the the quantity of of raisin paste in the final recipe that got that got tweaked um i think from a like a consumer eating experience it's just more uniform when you don't have like these big chunks of, of raisins yeah. in it um but yeah i'm sorry i forgot the rest of your question oh, just, Can you i was go back just curious it? if you got to have any feedback as far as you know or if they oh, from the beginning didn't want to have uh, a lot of allergens in the product yeah i think we were really clear from the beginning too that it was important for partake as a brand to partner with them on an inclusive product on something that would not only be vegan but that would reflect the allergy friendliness of the partake brand and so with the cookies being gluten free that was really important to them so we knew right off the bat like this is going to be vegan this is going to be gluten free um and as we developed the the flavor we were able to identify the other allergens that it would be free from as well. And Ben and Jerry's has, you know, to their credit, really stringent um, requirements around working with fair trade suppliers for 
you know, ingredients like vanilla and sugar. And so um, that was a, a great way for us to, to work with those suppliers as well and, um, and support them. Yeah. Was a lot of the back and forth over email or did you have, you know, calls as well? Or like, I'm just kind of curious about the collaboration process since they have their own full team, whether, you know, they were just kind of asking you for things over email or whether you'd all jump on the phone. It was both. Um, it was both. We had standing, I want to say for maybe a year or slightly less, we had standing monthly calls um, to talk about progress and just ensure that everybody was tracking towards that first production run date, because that was the run that they would need for their sales teams to be able to go out and sell the product in during their category reviews. Um, So it was important that we were all tracking towards being able to produce the product for them by that time, particularly given it was like a brand new SKU for us. And a brand new pack out we had not done before, like a bulk, mm-hmm. you know, uh, bag in box scenario for any of our uh, suppliers, or I'm sorry, any of our customers. So it was it was working through what that looks like with our our co-man and and then getting all the specs. And at that point, we were becoming an ingredient supplier, which was also new for Partake. So there was a lot of paperwork required that we had to learn how to do and and ensure we were doing you know properly into the the legal standards that were required of us mm-hmm. um so it was a i think a great experience for our team um in just understanding the sort of complexity around being an ingredient supplier and allowed us to like think do we want to do this again do we not want to do this again mm-hmm. like you know it, is is it um, is it something that feels like a, a, a growth channel for us? Um, and so it, it was, it was an amazing experience. And, and for me, just to sort of usher that through with, with both sides, um, and both teams was, was a great learning experience as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Your co-manufacturer experience from your past and all of that probably comes in handy with all of these, um, relationships and, and these kind of things. Yes, definitely. Um, although, you know, there's technology that changes, every year and um and the consumers changing preferences too so uh there's always something new to learn for sure yeah and i guess you know this isn't totally related to this uh this specific collaboration but since you work a lot in this channel of kind of kind of finding other you know non traditional retail ways like how many other collaborations or or items were you working on while all this was going on like you know how how much of how much of your time was were you kind of like tracking on this as as part of your brain space and how much were you working on other initiatives? I'm kind of curious for your workload how a project like this fit in. Yeah, I mean it, it varied depending upon the stage of the project that we were in. Like as we got towards the finish line, it, it definitely took up more brain space and just ensuring that all parties were in the places they need to be to to execute on time and and in full. Um, but I think what the the sort of one of the pros of having this sort of longer lead time sales opportunity is that you are able to to sort of float in and out as you maintain or your you know core book of business or as you hunt and 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 prospect for other opportunities and this is something that just continues on in the background. Um, so you know any given week it might have been thirty minutes to an hour and other weeks it might have flexed to two to four hours. Um, but it, it it definitely varied. Are you looking to grow your product sales with specific retailers? Do you wish you had store-level information about your products? What if there was a way to make sure your next product launch was a success? 
Social Nature is here to help. Social Nature is an all-in-one shopper marketing platform designed to help emerging brands win at retail. Powered by 1 million natural shoppers, they help you move units off the shelf quickly and get you the store-level insights you need to scale your business. If you're looking to grow at retailers like Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, HEB, Wegmans, Walmart, and more, email marketing at socialnature.com or visit business.socialnature.com to learn how. And make sure to mention hearing this message on the Startup CPG podcast. That's business.socialnature.com or the link is in the show notes. Do you feel like your email and SMS marketing campaigns are falling flat? If you want to increase customer retention and convert leads, a winning email and SMS marketing strategy is a must-have. Strategy Maven Agency transforms your email and SMS program to help you increase sales, build real customer loyalty, and focus on impactful results. Strategy Maven Agency delivers to help scale your brand, especially if you feel frustrated by revenue plateaus, were let down by another agency, would rather use your time to focus on other initiatives, or if you've let your email and SMS program get a little neglected. They are experts, aka mavens, and will treat your CPG brand like their own. So say goodbye to cookie cutter strategies and promises without execution. For a free account audit, go to strategymavenagency.com and mention Startup CPG. That's Strategy Maven, M-A-V-E-N, agency.com. And be sure to mention Startup CPG for a free account audit. And you mentioned a little bit the um, the process of kind of getting ready to essentially be an ingredient supplier kind of. I'm curious, like, was the final flavor, like, name and everything decided when you got the, like, hey, this is the cookie that we're going with? Or did they finalize the cookie and then they went from to finalizing the flavor? Like, at what point did you get the go ahead? Hey, we're going to manufacture. We want you to manufacture this specific cookie. You can kind of scale it up from R&D to working with your co-manufacturer on the bulk pack. Yeah, so I, I want to say it was probably late 2021, early 2022 when we got the the green light that this is the flavor we want to move forward with. Let's you know all systems go um, from the Ben and Jerry's team, but we we didn't know flavor name for for many months um, after that, and uh, I think they were still sort of like you know their brand team was was thinking about things and gelling of like how do we market this and how does it fit in with the rest of our portfolio and. For a long time, we thought it was just going to be a limited time offering and something that was more in and out. Um, and I do remember really uh, specifically when we learned that this was like an evergreen flavor that was going to be year round the Partetique. We were all so excited to hear that um, because it was just, you know, it's it's there's more opportunity there, but it's also there's not this like frenzied rush that you have to tell everybody to, to get in stores by a certain time or they'll miss it. There's um, there's this knowing that the flavor is good enough to 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 be available year round and to be really folded into their core line of like iconic flavors. At what point did you find that out? Like, was it after it launched and they got some initial feedback or was it running it through like their consumer feedback team? When was that decision kind of made? I don't, I'm curious what it takes for if you, if you 
learned kind of what it takes to go from being a limited release to, you know, to an evergreen flavor? Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not sure if they're, I'm not sure, you know, what the sort of criteria was on their side um, to determine, hey, this is not an LTO. Um, But we learned about it in the summer of 2023. So some like maybe a couple months before we did our first production run. Um, And so it was it was definitely before the flavor was released. And, you know, we couldn't talk about it. We knew it was happening, but we couldn't talk about it for months and months. And so we were just we were like doubly excited at that point that it was going to be around for uh, for all year round and 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 that um, it would be an amazing flavor name and flavor profile um, but that we just have to sort of sit on our hands and wait until we can say it oh that makes sense and I'm sure that I mean Ben and Jerry's must have so much data and information around consumer trends and what people like about ice cream and I think they used to have another oatmeal flavor that definitely wasn't as good. Um, so to have something like this to, you know, to add to their line is just incredible. And I, I feel very excited as a consumer that it's not a limited release because I, you know, I kind of assumed initially that, you know, that maybe it would be. But to, to know that this is going to be continually there is uh, is very exciting. So I can only imagine for your team yes. how exciting that was. Yes, very exciting. Awesome. Um, and then I guess um, I don't know if this is a, a I feel like as an operations person, like what kind and and if this is okay to ask like what kind of quantity of cookies are we talking about bulk packing out like is it like truckloads or like was it a big you know production ramp up to i assume ben and jerry's scale is large but also you're in 13,000 retailers so i'm kind of curious how the production fit into your regular lineups productions how many cookies you know i i want to picture the cookies in my mind <laughs> Yeah, so so we do a twenty pound bag and box of those mini cookies, um, and you know I don't know how many of the mini cookies fit in twenty pounds, but I could probably extrapolate that out for you and 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 get back to you with some numbers. But it's it's thousands of cookies in that box, and um, we do we do you know I think initially they do a forecast based off of that sort of consumer data and research and that wealth of of data they have from the the decades um, that they've been in business of what they think a comparable flavor profile will. Sell. And so it was through that that we were able to do some projections and and you know work with our co-man to just sort of fold it into our our regular production planning. We were we were making that size cookie um, as a chocolate chip cookie that we were selling into Target. And so we it, we had a line, you know, production line that already was making this mini cookie. And so it was just a matter of um, switching the flavor and then you know, sort of changing the pack out on it. Uh, so I think once, once like you kind of do something once or twice, then it becomes more comfortable. And, and, um, our, our co-man's a great partner that, uh, has, has done all sorts of packouts. And so I don't, I don't think it was really new to them at all. And so it was just, it was new to us, but we, um, like anything else, we, we learn as we go and, and try to make the smartest decisions possible. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So we're talking thousands upon thousands of cookies shipping out yes. thousands upon thousands thousands of pounds and within each pound there's let's say like probably 120 150 cookies wow yeah that's that's amazing um so once you got the like the green light from the Ben and Jerry's team like hey you can start telling people um like when was that compared to when it started hitting shelves and then in your role like what did you kind of start doing with that information? Like, how were you able to kind of leverage that for par- the Partake brand and start using that in your work? So we were able to uh, announce publicly 
January 10th or 11th, January 10th or 11th of 2023. And then it started hitting, we, 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 and we collaborate, we didn't collaborate, but they told us, Hey, all of our PR is going to go live on this date. Um, so it, it was an amazing amount of brand awareness towards partake, um, through the press that Ben and Jerry's got for this flavor and just the number of impressions um, was incredible. And um, I think was one of our, our more successful launches too. And so shortly thereafter, the product started rolling into the first um, few grocery banners. So like a, a couple of hold banners, it rolled out in, in February and, and then Wegmans came shortly thereafter. Um, and I know it went live in Target this month. Um, and we just had an all team uh, this week in Chicago and we were able to go into some Walgreens mm-hmm. and, and find it in Walgreens and eat it, enjoy it as a team. Um, so it's it's sort of rolling based upon when the category resets happen at the retailers. Okay. Um, and then our team really like once a product launches, um, marketing, our, our marketing team is is fabulous and, and they really run with it to leverage those impressive impressions to drive additional PR and brand awareness for partake. Um, I always, I think, you know, when it comes to how I leverage it in, in sales, I, I mention it on sales calls as just an example of some of our strategic partners, because I do think to your point earlier, partake really is punching above its weight here. We're an emerging brand, but we are still small. And to have a partner like Ben and Jerry's is such a dream. And it is a little unusual. Um, and so we we do certainly like to mention it because it does show, I think, the the level of rigor and commitment that we have around um, supply chain and food safety mm-hmm. because we have to in order to partner with somebody like that. Um, but it it just also shows the the sort of um, playing field that we're we're on right now and and how we we do like to punch above our weight and um, and take those opportunities, even though they they may seem um, a little bit further down the line for a more mature company. Yeah, I mean, that was my first thought of like just the um, just the kind of level that it shows that partakes at because I, again, you know, it's my operations brain, but I think of like, oh, man. Like I'm sure Ben and Jerry's has very rigorous food safety and uh and so I'm like I'm thinking about all the paperwork and everything and just the level of like lead times and planning that goes into it. So yeah, it just it shows you're able to operate on a playing field that's just extremely uh impressive, you know, for this for the size of brand. And so that's really cool. I hope that that means, you know, more people see that and and leads to more really awesome collaborations. Yeah, I mean to Ben and Jerry's credit, like they they answered the email, right? And at that point in 2020, we were considerably smaller. Um we've we've grown since then, but we had just gotten our target placement and that was our our first like really big national retailer. And so I I do give them a lot of credit for engaging with us at the outset and and entertaining the conversations and um and I think we we had a lot to bring to the table, but not as much as we necessarily do now in terms of like brand awareness and household penetration. So um, they they were eager to work with with a small emerging brand, and and so I encourage I encourage everyone to just try. Like worst case, you don't get a response, but then you just go it at another angle. Yeah, and it's nice to hear. I think I mean so many of us enjoy Ben and Jerry's as a brand. I like uh, Jerry actually came to my university in college and spoke and was just so nice and so down to earth. And I was like, this makes me like the brand even more. And so it's always nice to hear good things about a large brand and that they were willing to like 
you know, support a more emerging brand. And so I, I, it just, it's really positive. I, I think that's really cool to hear. I'm, you, you mentioned like, you know, kind of the tip of like, you know, to smaller brands, like it never hurts to reach out. I'm curious if you have any other kind of like tips that you would give other people that like have dream collaborators for their brand um, that are, you know, and, the, and they want to reach out. What, what would, you know, what advice would you give them? Yes, for sure. I, I, I don't know that any of this is original, Um <laughs> But I found the most luck in getting responses from from cold emails is to like make the subject line relevant but compelling, um, and then make the body of the email short. Like keep it concise. I do ask sort of more open ended questions to try and uh, to try and warrant a response from them. Um, and I often like if I'm talking about partake, I I always make an assumption that they have not heard of us, and so I hyperlink or our website, um, just in case, just to make it easy. I think the easier you can make it for somebody to press reply, the, the higher the odds of actually getting a conversation going. Um, so if it means making it easy for them to understand who you are and what you do, um, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's reasonable to expect these really busy buyers to open up several attachments or, um, or a deck. And so sometimes I'll just, I'll paste an image within the body of the email that I think is particularly compelling or, or just highly relevant to the the content um, that I think might be like a little bit of a like dangling carrot that they might want to respond to. And honestly, if I don't hear a response, I, I generally give folks like two weeks to respond. And I am much more patient than I used to be, but um, then I just always follow up. Um, sometimes it's not the second time. Sometimes it really is the third time, the third follow-up where, where you get a response. But again, it's being pleasantly persistent and not, um, not pestering or, or badgering people and, and understanding that it, it might be a timing issue and it's not right now. And, and if it is like, Hey, that's totally fine. Like, can I just, can I circle back with you in a few months and getting their buy-in, um, to do that. And so that way, when you do come back to them with that thread, they know it's because you, you know, you already got their, uh, their recommendation to follow up. Is there anything on the like, you know, being a good partner side, I guess, of like once, you know, once you kind of started the process of, okay, we're going to do a collaboration with this larger brand. Like, is there any advice you have there of just like being a good partner or being prepared or being organized that you think helped, you know, help set this collaboration up for success on your side that a smaller brand could kind of do to, yeah, just essentially be a good partner? Um, I think preparation is a huge one. Um, everyone is busy, but particularly with these larger companies, um, you know, just valuing everyone's time and ensuring that you're prepared and and what that might mean for each engagement. Like if it's a call, do you have the agenda? Do they have the agenda? Have Like making sure that everyone's on the same page of what the content of the call is going to be. Um, if there are additional stakeholders within your organization that need to be present on the call so that you don't have to have a follow-up because the people who could answer the question weren't there um, or the people who are the decision makers weren't there. Um, and then being really thorough with Note-taking has always helped me. We use a, a CRM at Partake that I really like because I like to be able to refer back to emails and phone calls. And this does a lot of that in an automated fashion. Um, so that's been really helpful. And and I think just, again, being like pleasantly persistent. People have a lot of projects going, as, as do I, at any given time. Um, so if they forget to respond, if it's something that's already in process, just with a gentle nudge, like bringing them back to let's, let's get back on the path and let's keep moving forward, um, to ensure that again, like if I forecasted it for this year, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure it's, 
it's being executed on in this calendar year so we can realize the revenue that's been projected. Yeah. Well, that's that's super helpful. That's great. And are there any other projects or collaborations that you, you know, you've worked on uh, in, you know, that have come out and are out in the world that uh, that you can share about? And are there any upcoming ones that maybe you can tease uh, or um, or it's, you know, it's OK if, if things are still top secret? <laughs> um, there is an upcoming one that is still somewhat top secret, but it's very exciting for us. Um, it's in the lodging space and um by mid-August, we'll be able to talk about it. Nice. So, if we do a follow-up conversation, it will be it will be public. But we're really excited, and um, having you know these strategic national partners has been so much fun and uh, just a, a great learning experience and a great way to expand your network uh, and to really learn about channels outside of, of of groceries so that you can be a more omni-channel brand. I think sometimes brands wait to uh, to pursue some of these alternative opportunities, but they can be a great a great way to sort of prop up your retail business because bringing that brand awareness to folks out of home allows them to see your brand in stores and it's it's almost, you know, if they have to pay $3 for a grab and go item when they're out of home to try it it's a, a lower, you know, a lower risk trial than it is to buy a, a $6 full size box, if you will, at the grocery store if they, if they haven't tried it yet. So it's a great way to drive trial that's paid. It's great marketing. Um, and again, it's just another brand impression that um, is helpful for increasing brand awareness. Right. So started early. Yeah. And you mentioned, because you work on the food service channel, like that's part of this as, uh, uh, as well. Like, are there any because our community we've had an increasing interest in um you know in lo- all the food service um channels I'm curious if there's any channels that you're you know more focused on coming up cuz food services there's so many different opportunities in the area mm-hmm. like I'm curious what you're focused on if you're focused on lots of different areas um and like you know part for to partake as a brand if there's any you know college and university or kind of we've been learning about the the kind of the different parts and I'm curious kind of where you focus yeah there are, that's I sort of like the the double-edged sword of these channels is that there are so many different segments to pursue that um you can really easily spread yourself too thin um and so what we tried to do is pick a few segments within food service and, and um, within alternative channels for 2023 that we felt would provide the like the most impact to the brand and really double down on those. And so for, for us, um, we really are operating within this framework of thinking about meeting our consumer where they live, work and play. And so that translates for us into um, to travel, to lodging, to parks and entertainment, um, and then work certainly. So OCS, which is office coffee services and those sort of B&I corporate pantry services um, as well. And so that's where we've just tried to really embed ourselves with our distributor partners, um, work with the end customers and um, and really saturate those relationships and those customers. And then, you know, next year we'll, we'll continue to evolve and, and move on a little bit, but we'll be attending NRI, the National Restaurant Association show this year for the first time and, um, and do hope to start some conversations with quick service restaurants and fast casual dining chains, knowing that those are, again, sort of working on a 12 to 18 month um, sort of menu cycle change, um, starting those conversations now. Yeah. That's great. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to share just in, 
in general or about this Ben and Jerry's collab? Anything else that you wanted to, any parting thoughts that you had before we go into some, you know, links and where to find Partake and in this uh, this collab flavor? I would just say, I, I mean, to, to, to the point of just cold emails, like they still do work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but be patient and, um, and be kind and be pleasantly persistent and uh and and sometimes people will respond and then just make sure you're you're capitalizing on those opportunities in um in an effective way but don't give up don't you know don't take no for an answer take it as a not right now um and and try and stay positive it's it's really hard being an entrepreneur and um and particularly if it's a product that's near and dear to your heart. Um, you have to have a thick skin, but it's um, just one one day at a time is what I tell myself even now. It's what I did when I had my own company. And, and you know, even now there's, it's just one day at a time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, well, yeah, well, I encourage everyone to go to the Partake website for sure and check out the offerings. If you go to partakefoods.com, you can also follow them on Instagram at Partake Foods. If you're looking for the Ben & Jerry's flavor on the Ben & Jerry's website, you can search for where to find a specific flavor. So that's a good way to see where you can get a pint of the oatmeal dream pie near you. Um, and then is there is there any other links or um, can people connect with you on LinkedIn or um, yeah, like what are any Absolutely. other any other places? Absolutely. Um, LinkedIn is the best place to connect with me. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to, to chat with anyone about anything sales related, sales strategy. I, 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 I love it. Um, but you can also find the Ben and Jerry's flavor in their scoop shops. Oh, nice. um, I will say it is dairy based in their scoop shops, but they have a Sunday that features our snickerdoodle cookies as um, as a little topping as well. So it's a really delicious Sunday. That's awesome. That's so fun. Well, thank you so much, Marla. This is awesome. I so appreciate you responding to my cold message to you saying, hey, can we um, can we do a podcast about this? Um, and uh, yeah, this has been super fun and valuable. And yeah, I'm just I so appreciate that you reached out to kick off this amazing collaboration for consumers like me to try and all the work that the Ben and Jerry's team did. So to get to see the behind the scenes has just been really cool. I'm so grateful that you shared with us. Well, thank you for having me. This has been really fun. So thanks, Jesse. Thank you for listening in today. I'm so honored you joined me for this conversation and I love hearing from you all with feedback, suggestions, or if you just want to say hi at podcast at startupcpg.com or you can find me on LinkedIn. If you liked this episode, we'd love for you to share it with a friend or colleague, subscribe so you don't miss future episodes, and maybe even leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you aren't yet in our Slack community of founders and experts, we'd love to see you there. You can get the free invite at startupcpg.com and find all our other awesome resources there like webinars, databases, the blog, the magazine, and virtual and in-person events. And if you found yourself rocking out to our intro and outro music, which I do every single time, make sure to check out the Super Fantastics on Spotify. It's the band of our startup CPG founder, Daniel Scharf. I'm Jesse Freitag, your host and producer. And on behalf of the whole team at Startup CPG, thank you for being here and see you next week.